0: That's and that's victory. Oxblogger, now then, you are this international man of mystery. You are, your blog has entertained, intrigued, and uh, amused us for many, 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 many years now, but I don't feel that we know you. Okay? It's full disclosure, I've sent you some of these questions in advance. So we can do a little bit of preparation, but I, I'm doing what I think is a, a service to Oxford United fans here, and asking questions so we get to know you a little bit more. Are you happy to take the 21 question challenge?
1: Yes, come on, give me, give me the 21.
0: Right then, first question. A memory from your first game.
1: Okay, so my first game, my official first game, I was three years old, and it, it was a game against Southampton at the Manor. As a three-year-old, I don't, I don't think I remember any of it in, in truth, but my dad describes it in my head the way it's kind of the way it's kind of um panned out in my head since uh, you know over the years is that I was surrounded by almost characters from like a Lowry painting so it's kind of matchstick men and and you know and in big top hats and stuff like that and I was kind of stood by their stood at their ankles but apparently the uh, the the abiding memory of that particular game which is only abiding because my dad keeps telling me about it is that I cheered every time I saw the ball and uh, I was more excited about the floodlights than the actual game itself. Um, we lost 2-1 uh, to Southampton and uh, Mick Tate scored apparently so that was that was my official first game.
0: Um, the most unlikely game you've attended the one that you know people wouldn't believe you were there at your, your badge of honour game.
1: Oh was uh, well okay so I, I um, so I went to Billy Hamilton's uh, testimonial which was played at walking pace and I think we left at half time so uh, that was uh, I think it was Oxford against Northern Ireland at the manor and I watched that game it's kind of difficult I mean I flew back from Boston Massachusetts to uh, a game against Wolves back in the early 2000s um, that was the, the, I, I literally was, um, was at Logan Airport and flew, flew drove back from Heathrow went straight to the manor and, and Had you back. planned your
0: entire flight to arrive in time to make that possible?
1: Uh, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, everything was meticulously planned. But uh, yeah, I did that. Um, I once saw a, pre-se- a pre-season friendly at Tame, th- which must have been the second season in the first division, and we were basically playing our Milk Cup winning team. Uh, we're playing against Tame United. I don't know. Unlikely games are difficult. That's fine. Yeah. Oh, move on i don't know. Time machine you can go back
0: and relive one oxford moment
1: i think there's something about coming across, living through moments before the kind of before the big explosion and the milk cup final runs of 83 and uh, 84 so uh when we played manchester united leeds newcastle
0: i'm just going to play some of the action here's the newcastle
1: the first goal came after an excellent move Thomas again the instigator Brock on the left here and as he goes through Neil Watmore back from injury is very thankful to put the ball in the net and Oxford in front the second goal again set up by McDonald. Brock on the ball once more Thomas gets involved here and he skips around two men before giving Thomas no chance in the Newcastle goal and Oxford a two ahead that's the thing to remember about this Newcastle team is that Kevin Keegan was playing, um, uh, Beardsley, Chris Waddle. I mean, it was a heck of a Newcastle side. And then we and then we played Manchester United. This is, this is, uh, this
0: is the uh, so we played at Man united Went over about five different replays, didn't it?
1: Yeah, I think it went to a second replay. But that that period, and we seemed to be playing a Milk Cup game every two or three days by that point, and and we were just so exciting, and George Lawrence was one of my favourite players of all time. So uh, and and he was that, he was in his pomp. There was there was nothing more exciting than watching George Lawrence going down the right wing, in front of the beach beach road. There was just that kind of sense of anticipation as he kind of uh, marauded through. Um, through the defence so I think if I could just to be able to absorb the sort of scale of what we were achieving I think that would be the period that I would uh, that I would like to go back to
0: a game you weren't at but wish you were
1: I think above all the game that I really wish I was at but I couldn't get to I actually didn't even realise was the enormity of of kind of what was going on at the time was the Tranmere game in 92 where everything was going against us and uh, we were relying on results elsewhere to stay up. I think uh, I was at university at the time and, and didn't really kind of, I think I'd probably given up on us by this point and so didn't feel any inclination to head up to Tranmere to, to watch us go down. But this game's just gone down in folklore and in particular kind of Joey Beecham's performance i think you know it's, it's, it's easy to go to the games where success is if not guaranteed but fairly certain but this was this was all set up to be a pretty miserable day and turned out to be an absolute barnstormer this is the game if i was able to transport to one game it would be definitely be this one but there are a few others is this where John Aldridge? Is this is John Aldridge. Yeah, it is. Yeah, scoring like his like hundred and fiftieth goal of that season or something, and and being you know doing that whole thing of not not celebrating <laughs>
0: um unbelievable day i yeah i wasn't there either i was working that day i was working in the shop at the time he had to work weekends um so yeah alas one that
1: i missed um, this, is, this is a story i would love to tell on the blog in in some detail because i think in some ways it's it's just one of those that, that is is really very much in the hands of those who may who went to the game it's it's not it's it's kind of known but it's not that well known um so yeah i would love to do this one i i did the other blog the one that we're not mentioning anymore um
0: and we obviously had brian horton as the guests and obviously we talked about this whole season and when he i mean it's interesting how little he remembered about the whole season i guess you know here's a guy who's managed you know hundreds of seasons for various different clubs but when we kind of prompted him when he saw the bits of video you could see his kind of brain coming back
1: and remembering different things it is one of those things isn't it that um fewer and fewer people who who well firstly were there and secondly will remember it particularly but it's definitely not one to lose i love the footage as well that is that is available on youtube you know of the fans arriving and uh you know, it's it's just kind of cast me back to a not a happier time, but a, you know, a, a, I look back with a lot of fondness to to, to that time. So.
0: Tell us about this game
1: then. This was one of my uh, great loss games. So I, again, I was at university at the time. This is uh, playing Leeds in the FA Cup in '93, and I was I was a member. I didn't have a season ticket, but I was a member. Um, and of course, there was you couldn't you couldn't buy the tickets online, so you had to phone up. And for some reason, I decided to uh, leave it a couple of days to buy a ticket. And when I did phone up, they'd all gone. And it, I, a, it was a, a, an, a fantastic game. We went two up, and then they came back. But I just, I just feel that's the one that got away. That's that is. I actually came home just to be near the ground when this game was on, just because it was the best I could do, because I just couldn't get a ticket. And uh, yeah, so that, that's a game I would just love to have been at just because i just still kick myself for not acting quickly enough to get the ticket. Um, so I
0: also missed out on getting a ticket for this game. And th- this was my first ever career, like, blag. I've, anyone who knows me knows I'm quite a good blagger at things. Um, I blagged a ticket for this game. It's uh, it's through a friend of mine who was working in the shop I was working at the time. And he happened to have a friend who worked for, I think it was LBC. I I can't remember which radio station it was. But basically, my mate asked his mate to phone up the club and get me a ticket in the press box as a reporter for LBC. Uh, (laughs) And I went along and literally just sat in the press box. And I remember I was sitting next to Patrick Barclay, who was like, you know, the big sports writer uh, of whichever newspaper it was, the Telegraph or or whatever. And as we went 2-0 up, I jumped out of the seat. Yeah, come on. And he said, "You're not a journalist, are you?" <laughs> and I said, "I said no, no, no I'm not." And he said, uh, "Yeah, I can tell." He said, "Enjoy the game." <laughs>
1: and he, he didn't grasp me up. So uh, That was my well, first it's ever blag. It's it's hard. Hard. you know, in, yes. in, the, in the, the hat, you know, just to just to try and prove that you are press. <laughs> Pencil behind here,
0: um, and then of course the replay.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I didn't. Again, I I would love to have gone to this one, but. I, I, it was, uh, I think I'd kind of assumed that we'd go out and just didn't even give it a second thought to go to it. And, and, uh, and again, it's all about really how you used to consume this stuff in the past. I was in London, so you weren't, you weren't getting Radio Oxford, so there was no commentary. You would just get goal alerts. And we went two up. Which was amazing in itself, and they just sort of they that they were being kind of announced as other games were going on. I think there was a, a, comment, a commentary for another game going on, and they were just being announced, which was pretty amazing. And then, and I thought we'd done it, and the the commentary that was on the radio had finished, and they were just going through the th- through, through the final scores, and it was two two, and and I just didn't know what had happened, and the, the the show just kind of then went on, and 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 then it, it yeah another goal alert that, that Jim Jilton, Jim Majilton had scored. And I, I just feel, yeah, I just feel it was just slightly out of out of my t- out of range, um, and I regret that.
0: I didn't go to this one, but I, I remember listening to it on the radio, Radio 2 or Radio, would it have been early days, Radio 5, I, I can't remember around then, but I was listening to it on the radio, they've been covering another match, and then they said, we're going over to Ellen Road for the last minutes of the game, where Oxford are 2-0 up against Leeds United, one of the big shots of the night. And then, oh, it's a goal for Strachan, 2-1. leads are back in it. Can they pull something off with a couple of minutes left? Uh, and then literally, like, deep into injury times, uh, was it Strachan again? I can't remember. We got the, the yeah. second one. But, yeah, it was, suddenly it was 2-0. And I was so angry. I booted my bed in rage and broke my foot. So, <laughs> uh,
1: <laughs> so yeah. Uh, and then Magilton scored that wonderful goal. And then what happened to Jim Magilton? He, uh, he, within 24 hours, he had gone to Southampton, I think. There is an interview with him somewhere of uh, 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 talking about how great it was to, to score the winner. And he must have left that interview and walked straight, you know, got into the car and drove down to the Dell because he was, he was a, a Southampton player within hours. <laughs>
0: yeah. I edited that off. I might, I might snip it back in when we do the final edit because it is, yeah it's very, very funny. There is like yeah, you know, great bunch of lads, you know, yeah. <laughs> looking forward to the rest of the season. Oh, by the way, I'm off finally uh what a game this was go on what's this yeah. one?
1: again i think these are games where you know you've got to you've got to applaud the fans who come to these so this is the penultimate game of the 96 season and we're on a pretty remarkable run which is worthy of a, an episode all on its own but we were still really even at this stage thinking about playoffs rather than promotion and the sto- the stories of oxford fans filling uh, gresty road hours before kickoff on all four sides of the stands uh, of the stadium and of course we won and blackpool who were capitulating at the time lost which meant that suddenly promotion was in our hands and it's just one of those where 99 times out of 100 you go up to that game, you might have won, but Blackpool would have won, and that final game would have been out of our hands. But it was just one which pivoted that whole season into one which was we might have an outside chance of the playoffs into, you know we've got automatic promotion. and uh, and again, I just wish I'd taken a punt on it, and I hadn't. So it's always worth going to these these games just just as an outside chance that uh, that you'll be rewarded
0: just to really rub your nose in it I did go to this game I was living in Hull at the time um, and I went to probably only six or seven games that season because I, I was at university and skint but all the games I went to were in the north of England uh, of which I include Crew. is Crew in the north it kind of feels it feels yeah, north, yeah, yeah. I, mean, yeah. Um, I went to Crewe uh, and got there incredibly early and was one of the last people to be let into the away end and already kind of Oxford fans were filling up kind of the rest of the ground. And it was the greatest game of football I have ever seen in all my life. When when I do this quiz, this is my favourite game of all time. The drama was unbelievable. It was Moody and Beecham got the goals, wasn't it, I think? So two of my favourite players got the goals. Um, My abiding memory, though, is the incredible coolness of Phil Whitehead. Because it's it's not in the highlights, and that's always annoyed me. Um, With about five, ten minutes left, crew get a free kick on the edge of the area. And the guy steps up and curls it straight into the top corner to make it 2 all. And Phil Whitehead just watches it go in. And obviously all the crew fans are up, you know, laughing at us. Oh, you've messed it up. The referee had his arm up the whole time. It's an indirect free kick. And Phil Whitehead just stood there and watched it go in. And it is unbelievable. Fancy being that cool. Yeah. Just let it go in. Like, <laughs> it was unbelievable. Um, a brilliant, brilliant game of football. I am yeah. sorry you
1: weren't there. Yeah, no, no, um, it's, it's definitely one that I would, I would like to be transported back to game you were at, but wish you weren't. There aren't many games that I, you know, defeats, defeats are part of being a football fan. That's that's kind of that's why we do it. Otherwise, we go to the cinema, you know, because the, the endings will always be good, good ones. So, defeats aren't aren't a reason not to be at a game. There was a game in the two thousand and six season against Darlington. Oh, by uh, chance, I found this. Oh, no, really. I mean, the, the, the game itself is fairly meaningless. We lose 2-0 and it was miserable. Um, and it is in the season that we were relegated to the conference. But my personal journey was I was late for the game and I normally park quite away from the stadium and walk up to it. And as I drove in, I, I just didn't have any, the energy. And so I thought, I'll see if I can get into the car park and I'll sit in the, in the car park, you know, on the way out and I'll just take the, take the hit on that. Uh, because I just couldn't be bothered to go to the game, and uh, and I drove into the car park, and this must have been about fifteen minutes before kickoff, and the car park was half empty, and I parked on the first row outside the east stand, and just watched people going into the sta- into the stadium, thinking, what am I doing this for? This is completely miserable and pointless. I think there was about 4000 fans there or something like that. It was the week before and vlog that we will not mention. Mm. You touched on this during the brilliant relegation episode that it was the week before the away game at Rushton which I think was considered to be quite a pivotal pivotal game mm. in terms of mindset that we were in some serious trouble of going down. And I'd had that crisis the week before against Darlington so this was just the most miserable experience but it was a very personal thing you know most people wouldn't remember this game but uh, for for me it was just it was a game I would quite happily have turned around and not and gone home from without going to and I was rewarded with a 2-0 defeat. By bloody Darlington. Um, A match you knew we'd win? I'm, I'm not a massively confident person uh, in terms of this sort of stuff I, I don't have this all this hubris that we will win all the time but I can't see us losing very often uh, you know unless we're playing a man city or somebody like that I, this is why this is why you keep going back to games even when you're you know even when things aren't going well is that you kind of forget the feeling of losing so you can't so your body goes we can't lose because I can't I, can't, I don't know I don't know how to feel about losing but the game I genuinely thought we were going to win was the uh, game against late Orient uh in 2006 i was convinced we would win this um luckily we do two nil i've just got <laughs> the, the two goals yeah, here okay. we stayed up that day <laughs> thanks to this victory <laughs> oh dear no. i mean it, so the so the run-up to that if i remember rightly there was six or seven teams who were within three points of the bottom two or and we were at the bottom of there but then two of those teams were playing each other so we just had to win it and i thought well it, you know we're at home everything's going to be with us the momentum's going to be with us we don't lose we can't lose you know what we'll just this is going to be one of those glorious moments this is going to be the home version of Tranmere and it didn't turn out exactly i mean obviously it's the 2-0 win here but um but it, it yeah it, I, I, it almost came as a bit of a shock that we that we lost I, I just i just didn't think we would screw it up it was survival was given to us on a plate you know, and we just didn't deserve it. And that, and, and that I mean, as well as relegation, the, the actual, just the fact we lost a game we just shouldn't have lost, I was convinced we would win, was part of the shock. And
0: a significant day for you for other reasons as well.
1: Yeah, well, my daughter had been born at nine o'clock that morning. So I'd been up all night. In fact, I'd been up for the best part of 48 hours. Yeah, my daughter was born at nine and because she was born at cesarean section, basically the hospitals go, you're not important anymore what's important is that we look after the baby and the mum so you can go home and this was about I guess about half past 10 11 o'clock and yeah it would have been about that sort of time and I think it was my my mum I asked my mum to bring my season ticket over because I just going home seemed like a daft thing to do uh, so she brought the season ticket over and I drove straight to the game I pulled out the John Radcliffe and um, my wing mirror clipped a wing mirror of a car parked down the road I carried on Maybe don't don't put that in. <laughs> sure, that was my, my, my wind mirror. <laughs> yeah, and I arrived about 10, 15 minutes late, and it was just sensory overload of that game because it was like no other game I've ever been to in terms of the nervous energy, anger, frustration. And, um, and yeah, and I, and I turned up with no sleeper, uh, 48 hours. And then watched watched it, and it just blew me away. In many ways, it was one of the best games I ever been, ever been to because I've never been to a game like it, it, despite the outcome. That was is the most nervous you've been. The York game at uh, uh, the playoff final, the conference playoff final at Wembley. Forty five minutes of just wanting to kind of lie in the fetal position. It just felt like we'd just thrown it away, um, and and just that sort of feeling of. Of just not wanting to be there, but also not wanting to leave. Uh, and that that was that was a pretty grim, pretty grim feeling. And then Alfie got scores, and we forget everything. So
0: biggest disappointment.
1: So um, I think probably um, the game against uh, Exeter in 2007, first season in the conference. We'd had a pretty torrid season um started very well and then kind of petered off but but we were always likely to be in the playoffs and we'd had a good first leg at exeter i thought we had enough we were two one up i can't remember what the first leg was oh we one won nil. one
0: nil the first leg and then oh, we went one nil up in the second
1: that's right against um, the on the play i remember rightly i remember um,
0: fans singing at this point uh one shot and we're two nil up which is <laughs> quite funny but yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> and that game, and then and then it was evident that we weren't on the on. Oh, no, oh dear, Rob Duffy. See, uh,
0: isn't it funny how memory plays tricks? I remember that being an in injury time. Sorry, an extra time, but it wasn't. It was in the first sure. half,
1: I think, or uh, second half. But I just, I just thought we had enough to just get us through, and I thought if we got to Wembley, we would have got through. Um, just yeah, just just an awful feeling that you know. I think we, I think we, a lot of fans have thought we're going to do this for a season, we're going to bounce back, and then we'll be, you know, we'll reset ourselves and we'll be back to uh, back to normal. And just that feeling of that realization that we we'd screwed it up and that we had another season in the conference and that it had all been in our hands and we'd just given up on it, which is awful. I've got an
0: interesting anecdote about that game. I was in the tunnel there I was somewhere kind of just by that doorway there I don't know if you can see my cursor and I was doing, I was filming at the time for the BBC we were doing a kind of behind the scenes documentary type thing for the BBC website, and you kind of short little films throughout the season um, I wasn't really meant to be filming this game for rights reasons. It's a Sky match, and you know, if it's Sky paid big money for it, well, not big money, but if Sky paid for it, then it's their match. So I wasn't really meant to be filming, but I was just trying to kind of get as much as I could without Sky telling me off. I was in the tunnel, and I looked over. I'm not going to mention the players' names, but one of our tougher, more kind of celebrated hard men of the team. And I looked into his eyes, and he'd gone. You know, he was absolutely finished i could tell straight away the extra guys were up for it ready for it and totally focused and this player had gone and i knew at that point that we'd lost if, if this guy had gone the whole team was going to go and he'd gone he'd totally to gone and uh i was yeah i was there as the penalties were being taken i sneaked down i'm not sure if you can see me or not. i was literally kind of down by those guys in the uh see the guys there with the high vis. I was somewhere there kind of filming, I think I was pointing my camera at the crowd. Right. Um, and yeah, it's just the most kind of agonizing disaster unfolding slowly
1: in front of your eyes. I think it was, that, it was that sense of helplessness, of that sudden realization that we were so far away from the momentum that I think we thought we had. Yeah, it was just it was just, just a sense of helplessness. And the game just seemed to go on for weeks. We just seemed to be in the stands for for days and days and days. And I remember I I spoke to a friend just before the game. We kind of met met up, and then they were sitting in a different part of the stand. And, they, and they, their parting line was: "If we can't win from being a goal up after the away leg, then we don't deserve to go to Wembley." And that was just it was just, it was so true. It was it was just that rang through my head constantly. Was that we just don't deserve it. And it was yeah just just so so disappointing. And um, the
0: closest you have come to packing it all in.
1: Uh, well, th- uh, that's a pretty easy one actually. Um, the the end of the Michael Appleton first season, I had had enough by that point. We'd had a te- it would been pretty awful under Michael Appleton. I'd seen false dawns before. There was a lot of skepticism around that takeover that had happened a year before. There was a lot of skepticism around Michael Appleton himself. There were people who had said, "Oh, we've talked to, we've talked to people around the club. We've talked to to, to Appleton, and 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 you know, their the hearts in the right place, and they're, they're doing all the right things." But it just wasn't coming through. And in addition to that, yeah, but we've been doing this for 15 years now. Like this, you know, that this this new false door, this new manager, new owner, new whatever. And and I actually said to, said to myself, oh, "Maybe." I could just become a glory supporter and just come to the big games. Why do I have to go to all the bad games as well? There's no there's no real kind of kudos in that. And, uh, and so I, I then gave myself one more season. It, it was make or break, which happened to be the 2015-2016 season, which was, I think, probably my favourite season as an Oxford fan. So that season did actually save me. I was very close to walking away. But yeah, uh, but I was saved by the 2015-2016 season. What a season it was. Yeah. Cult hero. I mean, Joey Beecham is the cult hero's cult hero, isn't he? I mean, the, 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 the local boy, uh, as good as any player in England at the time, at his, at, at his height, broadly stayed loyal to us uh, and all that kind of stuff. And it's really difficult to look beyond him, the, the club hero. He's, he's the Roy Race, uh, you know, the, uh, Roy of the Rovers of, uh, of Oxford United. So definitely him.
0: An irrational hatred,
1: uh, Luton Town. Don't think. need to say
0: anything else. <laughs> An irrational love of,
1: uh, well, as I say, kind of, kind of the, the the those players that a lot of took a lot of heat. People like Steve Anthrobus, I think. I, well, I can't say I love him. Appreciate the fact that they um, they come and they they put in the effort, even if they don't get the results they want.
0: How many of his goals did you see, Anthrobus? I've got what a friend you- who claims to have seen all four. John Brown if you're listening
1: well <laughs> well I, I wasn't I wasn't at the Stoke game which I think is when he scored Didn't he score on his debut he did yeah, he
0: did, yeah. Uh, absolutely brilliant
1: goal as well of like yeah
0: I remember sensation I
1: remember Elks of Mail making a really big deal that we had this strike partnership of Anthrobus and Lily that was just gonna tear everything up and here was the proof I don't think we scored again for six months. Yeah, I, I, let's go for St- Steve Anthrobus on that. It, I, it's not rational, that's for sure. Best Oxford United goal you've ever seen live? The the one that everybody will talk about, and I saw was uh, Joe Beecham's goal against Blackpool. It was it just had everything. I mean, the technique above everything is is just phenomenal. The way he wraps his foot around the ball. But what I do remember about it, my dad used to talk about. Goals being scored, where there was this pause in the crowd, of this dis- sense of disbelief of what they have just seen. I've had it twice as an Oxford fan. Once was uh, a James Constable goal against Wrexham in in the last minute, but, and the other one was this. There seemed to be this pause, as people were just kind of craning their necks to see that went in, didn't it? That that actually just went in because the, the goalkeeper was Eric Nixon, who had been who was actually in goal the game against Tranmere as well. So, But Nixon was one of the best keepers in the division. Blackpool were a really good side. Uh, it had been a really tense game. And then Beecham just unleashed this shot that just, as I say, just the whole stadium, for just for a split second, just stopped, just to check what we'd seen was real.
0: Best Oxford United goal not seen live. Uh,
1: well, the one I kind of wish I really had seen um, is uh, Tony Martínez's goal uh, against Middlesbrough in the FA Cup. Uh, just I mean the the folklore around it is just fantastic if you see if you you often see fans nowadays you know with the phones out filming themselves and this was just it was just you know people had just lost their minds and I, I don't think you can show that goal without showing the previous kind of 40 seconds
0: so I'm starting the action here so this is Maguire's free kick
1: which is a wonderful free kick on its own I think this is one of the things about this is I can't remember a scoring two in a minute for a long time anyway I mean just the sense of momentum that we had at that point I'd gone out to the shops or something we were two down why weren't you there why weren't you there i tell you why because I have a bit of a thing about the the round after a giant killing we've beaten Newcastle the round before it's always a massive disappointment after a giant killing you know it, it's you think that you're invincible and then suddenly you find out that you're, you're not. And because Middlesbrough was so far away, I kind of thought this is just going to be one of these kind of routine FA Cup exits. It's a long way to go for routine 2-0 defeat, which was, yeah, a, a terrible error of judgment.
0: If one Oxford United moment could magically appear on YouTube, what would it be?
1: So there's, I think there's two. One will definitely, I'm pretty sure, will never appear, which is um, Oxford United's appearance on Jim Will Fix It. Uh, when uh, just after we played Arsenal in the League Cup, I think that there was somebody—it was a kid who wants to, wanted to be the referee and send off an entire team—and they reran Oxford versus Arsenal, and uh, so that he could send off. And I think he—I think he was an Arsenal fan, so I think he sent off the entire Oxford team. That was kind of his dream. And amazingly, that has, hasn't appeared on, on YouTube. Um, there are, but but in 1982, we played, uh, we beat Brighton in the FA Cup and it's a kind of long forgotten FA Cup giant killing and it's significant for me because it was around the time that I'd started going regularly with my dad and I it, it we were we were apparently absolutely brilliant and I'm pretty sure there's there's no footage of it um you know it was before the days where they filmed everything and that was the first giant killing and gain goal, you know, win of significance. I suppose when I was a kind of regular Oxford fan, and then the round after that, we played Coventry at Highfield, uh, and, and we went. And although we lost four 0 and I think there is film of this somewhere because there's some very there are photos, there are photos knocking around of that game, and I don't even remember. But but back then, um, Coventry used to have a kit which was the Talbot Cars logo like the whole kit was, was a logo and as a result because they didn't allow advertising on uh, TV that they couldn't wear that kit when they were on TV so they they used to wear this kind of just this sky blue kit which was on which was their their TV kit and they wore it that day against Oxford at Highfield and it was my first proper away game in an away end uh, and we lost 4-0 we played pretty well apocalyptic levels of crowd trouble and and quite a lot quite a lot of people that i still see today at games think uh thinking i i saw you throwing seats on the pitch in 1982 <laughs> so um i would love to be able to see those games again um i would love to see I, I never saw the goals obviously for the brighton game because because they were never filmed but if that appeared i would just be just be brilliant it's the best youtube find so this is uh this is actually something that i'd been looking for it's not often you stumble across things from time to time but the the thing that i had been looking for and then found was us winning i think it's the guinness six aside cup in 86 85 86
0: was the year after the milk cup so this was like our fourth consecutive trophy by my reckoning
1: well this was it so what I remember about that was that by this point we were winning trophies all the time, and I was starting to get complacent about it, And I was getting complacent about it, and then we, the, I, I just assumed we were win a trophy every season. And then I remember this being, this being on Sports Night, which was the BBC late night sports show, midweek sports show, and being allowed to stay up watch and watch it. And uh, yeah, we beat Arsenal in the final, and, and, and that, as you say, that was our, our piece of um, silverware.
0: I remember watching this on on Sports Night as well, and just being so excited by it. Well, I mean, yeah. what a brilliant thing! I guess this was because there's no teams in Europe at the time, right? Um,
1: uh, yeah, but there'd be, there'd be, yeah,
0: but there's just been like you know anything for a bit of money and a bit of exposure, I guess.
1: I think that's it. I think it was you know if you look at the teams who were playing, um, or oh, sorry, the players who were playing, they were they were they were playing first team football. You just wouldn't wouldn't get it nowadays. And I, yeah, they're doing it for the appearance fees, I guess, and and the clubs are doing it for the for the money. Um, I propose we do a watch along one day of uh, this. Yeah, it's the full game. The full games on on YouTube. So uh, yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, a dinner party with five Oxford players, past or present.
1: I was asked something very similar about this back in May, and I can't remember who I who I selected. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go with a fresh list. So the requirement of these people is that they will. Not keep anything a secret, and so so I want to, that they would tell all the stories. There would be no, you know, they're not holding anything back, and they would all be really eloquent and engaging in doing it. They've got to be good storytellers. So I'm assuming that all of these people are storytellers, and that they would have to be kind of spread across the whole time I've been supporting the club. So I would go Gary Briggs because I mean his story alone is just, you know, he I think he was with us from 1978, and then and and then got to Wembley that couldn't have been on his plan and I'd love to know that story you know the story of of just being being part of that uh I I would Matt Murphy I now realize that Matt Murphy was a much better player than anybody gave him any credit for because he was very much the go-to go go go-to boo boy of the uh of the 1990s Oxford and yet he's he's gonna be dull though Matt Murphy's gonna be dull right here's my evidence one that haircut Right. The big
0: fluffy hair, if you you don't know what he looks like, you know, youngsters, you know, Google him. This man did not know what hair product was. Right. So that's my first thing. Secondly, wasn't he a bank clerk originally? Yes. Yeah. Thirdly, he signed from Corby, which just sounds like a dull place. So those are my three bits of evidence to tell you that Matt Murphy is going to be dull.
1: So my counter to that is that that when he realizes that he's surrounded by, you know, friends uh, that uh, aren't going to judge him on his hair. (laughs) <laughs> that um, he would uh, he would just unleash this kind of emotional tidal wave of what it was like being Matt Murphy during the mid nineties when we were at our peak, and then and 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 he was also part of the squad in the 2000, 2001. So I reckon he's got some stories to tell. And and uh, and he, and in some senses, I'd prefer to have somebody who was almost an observer of what was going on than actually in it, because I think I think they'll pick up all the, the stories. Sam Long. Uh, just because of again such an unlikely journey hate that phrase but you know that that, um, sometimes feels like the club's trying to find ways of kind of replacing him and yet he still keeps coming through but he straddles right through from Chris Wilder to to Carl Robinson Ryan Clark from the Chris Wilder years uh, just because Ryan Clark seems like such a nice guy and I'd like to ask him about dropping the ball into the net against York and whether that kind of leaves him kind of staring at the s- ceiling late at night or whether you know y- you just kind of write that kind of stuff up off you know it's just maybe that... there was some sort of podcast somewhere that, that had that conversation with him what's there oh uh, I'm gonna have to dig it out I just I yeah I, do, I mean does that live with you for the rest of your life or do you just go well turned out all right in the end and uh that's just the, the life of a goalkeeper and then the fifth person uh who actually isn't a player and I realize you put players is Firoz Kassam He's so so much part of our history, and I think he's much more interesting than than he's made out to be. I think his he's, his character is oversimplified in Oxford's story. I would love to know what's driving him, where his frustrations are, and yeah, I mean, it, uh, the the logic says that you would sell up and disappear as soon as um, as soon as somebody came with any money, but um, he's stuck in there. You know, and there's funny things. I always remember when he was when he was at his owning the club, and we were at, you know, we were, we were on our way down, and he'd park up this bright green Bentley outside the ticket office. I mean, it's, it was asking to be damaged by frustrated Oxford fans. But I mean, he he did it. You know, he, he he would turn up to games. He didn't need to turn up to games. He invested in players, and he didn't need to do that. And yet, he's still kind of much maligned. I'd love to know what's really going going on with him
0: an unexpected encounter with a player
1: so i tend not to seek out players i once saw mark angel at Glouc- in gloucester green he was in a um in a shell suit which would have been a fire hazard <laughs> it was a sort of classic classic 90s because i'm pretty sure he was carrying a massive records not a massive records but mm. you know from massive records in, in oxford and a cult clothing bag as he as he was walking along and his hair was in curtains So that was was Mark Angel. I've seen, I saw him once. Uh, Michael Appleton lived in Tame, which is not far from where I live. And I saw him a couple of times. I was once standing behind him in a queue at Costa Coffee one morning. uh, And I just had actually, it was in that first season where I was, um, and I was not complimentary about him or his team on the blog. And I stood behind him and I'm pretty sure he knew I was there broad shoulders my goodness they're absolutely enormous and uh but then I also saw him once in Waitrose and I can I can confirm that he is absolutely meticulous about choosing the right kind of yogurt (laughs) which is what so I saw him looking at the vast array of yogurts that were there and kind of sauntered past trying to see what was what he was buying and then I kind of circled back to see if he was still there about five minutes later and he was still he was still at the yogurt counter so I d- actually don't know I mean he, he may still be there trying to choose I don't know but he's that was uh that was his thing but my I mean my prop my my I guess my only real proper encounter so my sister went to school with Mickey Lewis's wife and Mickey Lewis and Suzanne his his wife came to my sister's wedding and so for most of the game most of the game most of the wedding mickey was in the bar it was up in in tamworth and there was quite a lot of sort of midlands football fans who who knew 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 who mickey were, was and um he he sort of held court for most of most of the um the reception except for when the bars of baggy trousers came on and i was stood on the side of the dance floor as baggy trousers came on that ba ba that bit and uh, and i felt this brush against me as I kind of gently got pushed, pushed away. And it was Mickey Lewis on his way to the dance floor uh, to do his three minutes of baggy trousers. And he skanked around the dance floor for three minutes with gusto. He was absolutely, you know, he he threw himself into it. And then (laughs) at the end, he just, he stopped and walked off and went back to the bar again. And then after the wedding, as it all sort of started to peter out, there was a few of us in the bar. And this was getting, getting late at this point. And Mickey was holding court and his, his voice had become, quite raspy at this point obviously he was getting tired and drinking plenty and he was telling us just just telling us loads of stories about about Oxford and one of our one of the party was a Wickham fan so I set him up to talk about the um 96 uh you know the uh, the Paul Moody uh, sorry the Stuart Massey hanging off the crossbar mm-hmm. Wickham game and uh and, and Mickey leapt to his feet well he was he started telling the story and uh, we spanked them. We spanked, we absolutely spanked them. And then he jumped up, and he jumped behind the behind the chair that he was on, and was was going. Like, we we spanked them. We were spanking the and everybody was absolutely loving it. And then from somewhere in the middle distance, there was uh, one of the uh, it was a wife of one of the one of the people that was there had sort of turns up in a dressing gown. Closed the party down because of the noise that we were making.
0: Something strange that's happened at a game then.
1: So in uh, the cup run, actually, we were talking about earlier the, the, where we beat Leeds. We then played Chelsea at the at the Manor, and I was determined to go to that game. And so I did get a ticket. Um, I made sure I got a ticket, and because I was in London at the time, I came in on the train and uh, completely got my timings wrong and was stuck on a very busy. Uh, bus from the station up to the manor surrounded by chelsea fans
0: lovely bunch always chelsea fans
1: yeah absolutely i mean they were you know telling telling hilarious stories of their plans but they were plotting basically to to on how they were going to get into the to the ground because unlike me who diligently got a ticket they didn't have tickets and so uh, anyway, I got I got into the ground and I got into the ground just as Joey Beecham was scoring right there. Um, you know, I literally walked up into the stand as he was sort of marauding in to score his goal. Chelsea then equalised. I think this is the equaliser here. From behind me in the London Road, there was a roar of Chelsea fans. And I looked behind me and it was the people I'd been standing with in this bus. And, and basically then that caused a lot of problems, obviously, in the London Road, a lot of Oxford fans. Not very happy with a bunch of Chelsea fans being in the in the London Road and, and cheering, and um, and so there was a lot of trouble. Uh, and the, the police uh, weren't prepared to go into the stand, so it went on for quite a long time. And there was a lot of there was a lot of trouble. And then on the way home, uh, I queued up for the bus to go back to the station and managed to find myself with this group again. And uh, we spent the bus journey uh, discussing the good ruck that we'd all been involved in. Uh, so, I managed to, uh, yeah, I, I was an honorary member of the Chelsea uh, hooligan firm just for uh, for that particular game. I didn't throw a punch, I understand. I was just there uh, listening to their hilarious stories of beating up people um, and avoiding pain and things like that. So,
0: you're on the date, you have to wear an Oxford United shirt. Which one are you going for? I notice oh, you're that's... sitting in the club shop at the moment, actually, as well. So,
1: <laughs> so I'm not sure this is going to fit anymore, but this is this is oh my god yeah so i mean that's 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 if, if i had one that i that would fit in that then then that would be uh that would be probably one of them just i because. mean who
0: could resist that right you're that's a guaranteed you, you are onto a winner that you wear that
1: yeah so, i mean that would i mean that just would impress anybody they go wow is that an original sports sports from the 83 championship 84 championship winning site? So, okay yeah yeah it is yeah yeah so, uh, I think probably that one i think I think I think it's a beauty and i and i I'm a little bit sad that we haven't tried to recreate it in a modern form uh I think that would probably be one
0: I think it's the last question the
1: weirdest merch that you own there is a piece of merchandise that I own which I think is probably in the loft at my parents, which is my magic oxford t shirt which I bought in christmas 1995 when we were on a bit of a dodgy run and i bought it and it was fantastic it was it was it was like an oxford shirt but it was white with blue it had a blue unipart logo and a blue badge and it had um it was very brit poppy which of course it was brit pop time so it was quite cool as well and and it fitted brilliantly it was one of those t-shirts you know sometimes you get t t-shirt and go that's that's just made for me and that and it was just a, a great t-shirt and I wore it for every game that we uh, in the the rest of that season, which was the season that we eventually went up in ninety six. So I've got a magic T shirt, and it disappeared after, after we were promoted, and I never saw anybody else in this T shirt. So that's the piece of merchandise that I would would love to uh, to to find. If I find it, we'll, I'll um I'll show you. But the thing I have got, which I've got here, one I prepared earlier, a bit nervous about doing it to be honest, is this, which is signed football from 1984 uh so and I need to be really careful because the signatures are all done in um uh biro so very easy to wipe off and i keep it in this case because I'm so paranoid about wiping it I think it was donated by the club to a, a like a school raffle or something like that my dad was the only person who bid for it so we so we won it um, so it's just have to be really careful because I don't really want to put fingers on. There's Kevin Brock on there. There is Gary Barnett. Did we mention Gary Barnett earlier? I mentioned
0: um, Gary Barnett,
1: yeah. People like Andy Thomas and Kevin Brock, Malcolm Shotton, Gary Briggs, people like that, alongside players that maybe that a lot of people have forgotten. We talked about Neil Watmore earlier, who were still at the club but were kind of on their way out. And I. Absolutely love it. I'm, I'm completely paranoid that the children decide that they want to play football and they can't find find a ball in the shed. So they'll go, well, there's a ball up in the loft that we could uh, we could use and then I'll find it's being used there. But it's a, it's a it's probably worthless, but it's uh, it's just an amazing uh, sort of historical piece. And I love the fact it's a Spall. It's uh, it, it's actually made by Spall, which was the uh, which was the, the shirt manufacturers that we had at the time. Uh, and was quintessentially lower league. So that's my that's my piece of merch.
0: That is the end of your twenty one questions. Um, I think it has been really, really interesting and brilliant. And your answers have been fascinating, and they've been really great for kind of bringing back loads of memories. So thank you for doing that.
1: It's 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 good to be able to kind of crawl the archives, you know, to for this sort of stuff. Um, you, you you kind of you, you it's all packed away. You just have to unpack it. And, give it a fresh run out this is what this is this is what this is for i think what are we calling it are we calling it a vlog or a podcast but Vlogcast. cast, <laughs> <laughs> <A blog> cast. <laughs>